A reading from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 12 through 31. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. The whole body were an eye. Where would the hearing be? The whole body were hearing. Where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor. And our less respectable members are, create, are treated with greater respect, whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no discussion within the body, that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then deeds of power, then gifts of healing, forms of assistance, forms of leadership, various kinds of tongues, are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But strive for the greater gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. These are our sacred stories. Thanks be to God. Sing to God a new song. Sing to God all the earth. Sing to God. Praise God's name. Proclaim God's salvation day after day. Declare God's glory among the nations. God's marvelous deeds among the peoples. These familiar words open Psalm 96 and they are the foundation of what music's place in the church should be. 
I don't mean singing only new anthems or new hymns. I have known someone who proclaimed anything older than five years no longer has a place in worship. It's dead. I disagree. I have also known some who have held the position that musically there's nothing new of any worth. I really disagree. I don't think the psalmist's words to us are really about how old a tune or a text is. They're about making music with a fresh heart, an open mind, a readiness to encounter God in new ways, whether words or melodies, organ, piano, choir, strings, woodwinds, or handbells, with familiar tunes and texts, or new tunes and new texts and tunes, born of the inspiration of a different person's perspective. The beautiful thing about music, the music that we make together in worship, is that it brings together our experiences from different places, different backgrounds, different talents, different abilities, different loves, different joys, different hurts. There is much beautiful time-honored music in our library, which will always have a place in our worship. There are also many new good pieces of music that allow us a new perspective on the theological issues we consider when we come together in worship. It was announced earlier this fall that Covenant was given two octaves of, of Schulmer handbells. This gift will give us new opportunities for our community to join in the music of our worship. This gives us an area for some who don't find the choir is their place. And even more exciting, it gives us an inter a multi-generational setting. With new tunes and new texts for adults and children and a completely new facet of our music program comes the expense of new music and necessary supplies. Some of these new expenses include masks for the choir, an unfortunate continuing necessity, but one which allows us to make music in worship and necessary supplies for the use of handbells, which includes music, mallets used to make a different sound with the bells, notebook folders that keep the music upright on the tables while playing, gloves which protect the brass bells from tarnishing because of skin oil, foam to cushion and protect the bells while playing, fabric to make covers to protect the foam and prevent the transfer of skin oil from pads to bells, and cleaning supplies to care for the bells. Many of these expenses are one time or only occasionally, but no less necessary. In 2019, the choir was joined by a string quartet as they sang Francesco Durante's Magnificat. This was a new work for the Covenant singers. This December, we hope again that they will be joined by a string quartet for the cantata, To Us a Child is Born. This is a work which already was in our library. While we are fortunate that we have instrumentalists in our congregation, we are also fortunate that we maintain some budget to pay occasional guest musicians. It was a blessing that the flood in this building brought no damage to any of our instruments or to the music library. 
But as we were finally able to begin worshiping together again in Huff Hall in July, we discovered that there was the need both for tuning and some mechanical service to the piano, which we used over there. There is also the need for regular tuning and occasional mechanical service of the piano here in the sanctuary. These expenses are not a large percentage of Covenant's budget, but they represent a large part of who Covenant is when we gather for worship. They allow us as individuals to be in one body, singing our psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Covenant Church is a group of inquirers. Our goal is to maintain an open and affirming atmosphere in which we welcome questions, nourish children, and tread diverse paths on the journey of faith. These lines from Covenant's mission statement capture much of what I love about this church, its embrace of curiosity, its commitment to nurturing children, and for that matter, adults, and its appreciation for diverse perspectives and backgrounds. Just as today's scripture reading describes how the many parts of a body contribute to the health and functioning of the whole, so too the multiple perspectives of church members help us to all reach deeper spiritual insights and stronger purpose. As I recall from the inquirer's class that I took when I joined Covenant, this church was founded by a group of curious people asking questions about theology, civil rights, and more. Recently, I was asked what my favorite emoji is. I picked what I call the hmm face, since I consider curiosity a key value. I was lucky enough to grow up in a home filled with books and to have parents who love learning. My mom taught pregnant students in what amounted to a one-room schoolhouse, and my dad did research on space physics and then became a college physics instructor as his retirement career. I find great joy in working through an intellectual challenge, exploring ideas with other people, and discovering something new. When I was in fourth grade, I got into trouble because I was regularly reading under my desk during class. I would reach for something in my coat tray, spot a book that I was in the middle of, figured I'd, I'd just sample a page, and then get sucked in by the more engaging stories and questions I found there. In fact, I like learning so much that I took 10 years to get through graduate school. <laughs> that love of learning drew me to Covenant and led me to join the Adult Education Committee. As our new newsletter, The Voyager, explains, the Adult Education Committee aims to build community, explore a diversity of topics, be inclusive, and experiment with different approaches to learning. Over the past year, we have featured sessions on topics such as environmental responsibility, rethinking theology and conventional interpretations of biblical stories, grief, and racial justice. I particularly enjoy the spiritual journeys given by church members, with, which often explore how they confronted questions that ultimately led them down new spiritual paths. Perhaps my favorite adult education session this year was delivered by my colleague, Dr. Portia Hopkins, who discussed the history of St. John Missionary Baptist Church. Founded by former slaves in 1869 in what is now Missouri City, St. John has served as a nucleus and safe space for the local black community, hosted countless services and celebrations and educated children at its school. 
St. John has also faced many challenges, including arson, vandalism, a lawsuit over its right to occupy the land it sits on, a dwindling congregation, and a lack of financial resources. Thanks to the dedication and resourcefulness of its members, it has demonstrated extraordinary resilience. St. John even received a state historical marker acknowledging its significance. That church, like Covenant, is central to the lives of its members. And by the way, you can access the video of that adult education session and most others on the Covenant website. Of course, providing such a strong adult education program requires financial resources. Although members of the church donate their time to plan and deliver adult education sessions, we offer modest honoraria to many of our external speakers to compensate them for their time and labor. The church also pays for online infrastructure, such as Zoom and web hosting, as well as for maintaining the physical infrastructure of the adult education classroom. We demonstrate our care for each other in many ways, including through sharing resources. So I encourage you to join my family in supporting Covenant, nurturing this community, and sustaining collective inquiry. So I'm here today to represent the worship committee and to speak briefly about how our work relates to stewardship. I recently accepted the reins from Jeff Nobles who moved to another city. So Jeff, if you're watching online today, thank you for doing such a stellar job of leading the committee. After I attended my first service here some 20 years ago, I had this immediate thought. There's some heavy duty artistic direction going on here. How do they do it? I would go on to learn how it's done, and I know many of you in this room know the secret sauce, particularly those of you who have been worship leaders. For those of you who don't know, I'm not going to rob you of your experience of finding out. That's not how we do things here. But when I talk about artistic direction, for our services, I'm referring to creating with an overarching theme or a concept, infusing different art forms into the service, and then the careful placement of the various elements, which creates a kind of journey. For me, this kind of artistic direction, it really does create a sense of home, a sense of place. Now, I will tell you that the worship committee plays a prominent role in the artistic direction of this church. Laura, David, or another com committee member will present a seed of an idea and the collaborating begins. Well, what about this? What about that? We could do this. We could do that. And some of what we come up with are really large very incredible things like the Shakespeare service that we had in June, or an entire service directed around poetry, or when the kids do services, or sometimes there's dance in our services, but there's also, I call them bits of novelty that we make sure are inserted throughout our services. Because really, ritual does give stability and meaning to our life, but novelty also wakes up our brains and reaches even deeper into our hearts. So for me, with an art background, I've always understood the integration of those two things. 
The worship committee is also responsible of other things of equal importance. This is the part where you always feel like you're writing a grant, you know. We, we need something so we can buy this, that, or the other. But it doesn't make it any less important. The resources that you allocate to our committee, to our budget, who pays for the tuning of the pianos that David spoke about, music royalties, sheet music, supplies for banners, pyramids, guest musicians, Ash Wednesday at Rockford Chapel, the Advent wreath, candles, the refurbishing of those handbells that David spoke about, and many other things that help make this place a church home. I asked Ruddy Cravens for a quote, if he could find me a quote about, you know, about home, since our stewardship theme this year is our home, our journey. And he sent me this quote from Robert, by Robert Frost. Home is where, when you have to go there, they have to let you in. <laughs> so that is so ready, Cravens, am I correct? And I know he'll get me later when I least expect it. I'm glad that this is a community of, a, of acceptance where we welcome art and ideas and collaboration and where we let each other in. Thank you for your generosity.